I found some tournaments. I started to hit them up. Uh, it was a uh, it was refreshing to get back in and change it a little bit. So I went from uh, objective competition, objective uh, measurements to subjective, being body bodybuilding and being judged like almost like beauty pageant. Back to objective uh, sport of arm wrestling, where there's a definitive winner and loser, and that was cool. And I think that it's always been something that's special to me because it's pure. You know, there's not a it's very self-regulating. You don't have a lot of assholes in arm wrestling. You just don't have that. It's always self-governing sport. In, in fast, you could be a winner or a loser, uh, and everybody loses. And it's just a matter of trying to like sway the ratio of win losses to you know more favorable for the wins. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Up Before You podcast with me, Connor Warman. I want to take a moment to thank you all for taking the time out of your busy lives to listen to this show. Whether it's your first time or your 66th time listening, thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, please share with family and friends. And, as always, if you don't like the show, please share with me. If you have a moment, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a 5-star rating, write a little review, and hit that subscribe button. Lastly, go follow Up Before You on Instagram and Facebook and visit upbeforeyou.com to keep up with all the latest episodes, news, and updates surrounding the show. My guest today is Chris Gellings. Chris is a former powerlifter, turned bodybuilder, turned arm wrestler. Chris also has his own company called Ticket Weirdo. Ticket Weirdo is the only online ticketing site that directly aligns with companies to put in place employee perk programs with unlimited discounts on ticket purchases while donating to the company's supported charitable causes. Oh, and Ticket Weirdo has $0 in hidden service fees, unlike other ticketing sites. As a special offer to Up Before You listeners, you can use the code UBY2019, that's UBY2019, to get 10% off unlimited tickets to anything. Alright, with that being said, let's get on with the show. going on chris what's up brother man how are you i'm doing good good uh what you what you doing today oh, i'm trying to misbehave <laughs> <laughs> trying to get in as much trouble as i human as possible yeah it's not a bad thing no no i mean when you're i was talking to you earlier here before we hit, hit hit the uh record button uh when you're a father of three you know there's not a wiggle room yeah. not a lot of wiggle room for screwing around mm. so uh you know you, you try to do what you can so, so do you still lift now no, I play, with the, I play with the weights. I play with the weights. <laughs> I play with the weights. You know, so uh, we talk fitness. Um, I've, I've always loved working out. I've always loved exercise. I've, in fact, I think it found me. I'm from the, originally from the magical land of Beaverdam, Wisconsin. Okay. Where's that in Wisconsin? It's a magical place probably <laughs> <laughs> like 45 minutes north of Madison. It's kind of between Madison and the Dells. Okay. And if you look at the Wisconsin map, you know, you see like a little town with a little hook like hook fingered lake, like okay. a lake yeah. that's shaped like a little hook finger. That's Beaver Dam. So okay. it's sixteen thousand people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the high school was maybe a couple thousand, around maybe fifteen hundred kids or something like that. So fairly moderate size. I like it by standards. I don't know what the Illinois standards are, but it's like a division two school in Wisconsin or something. Um, but so growing up I was I was always a fat kid. Right. So I was I was actually pretty lean yeah. when I was younger. But then when I hit around I don't know, eleven years old or so so I really put it on. And what is that? Just eating? Like oh, bad? terrible! Like, yeah, okay. Oh, terrible! Like uh, my, my my parents didn't weren't into fitness, so they didn't really understand even nutrition or mm. exercise. So they'd be getting things like you know little debbies and you know like the you know like the made for like breakfast stuff, mm-hmm. waffles and all that shit, and then all syrup, and I'm like drinking it. It's weird. <laughs> so it just it was good, and I, you know you don't think of anything. I'm putting sugar on cereal. You know, back then. Mm-hmm. And I ballooned violently. <laughs> and, um, you know, it just it just happened to be that way. So right around, like, freshman year of high school, uh, and I've always kind of, like, you know, banged weights in the basement, you know, with the, with the ACDC tape jammed in the boombox. As a kid? Yeah. Even when you were big? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. so I'm down there with a curl bar just banging away, you know, <laughs> doing my thing. You know, because my dad had weights, and so I was kind of doing it. And then uh, I didn't know anything about... Uh, actually 
resistance training or training with weights until I got to high school. And then uh, one of the guys who's a marker for me, you know, the, the marker is always usually before them or after them. It's like a game changer for you. You know, you went along and you can, you know, go back to that one instance that changed everything. For me, Sheldon Williams, actually who has a CrossFit box, I think it's in Fort Atkinson, uh, CrossFit 1936, okay. I think it is. Yep. And Sheldon Williams, shout out to you if he's listening. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was the marker, dude. He was a game changer. He was a senior in high school. It's 1994. Um, and he took me under his wing along with another freshman, uh, Kirk Straseski. Uh, and we, he taught me how to do like, you know, your free bar squats and bench presses and power cleans and deadlifts and all this other stuff. All that stuff that I wasn't doing in the basement yeah. with the sand weights, you know, with the, with sand flying everywhere. Anybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> the, the weights get lighter, <laughs> the more you do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I'm banging around with that, but they found me because, you know, when you're, in sports or just overall, I think it's almost like a, a defense mechanism to maybe not get picked on or, um, you know, maybe not get banged on by other kids, you know, like you know, beat up or something mm. like that. So you're kind of like you're almost like overcompensating. So you start training so you can become so much more, you know, I don't know physically bigger than they are or stronger than they are. And so for some reason, psychologically, I think that's how it kind of started a little bit. And then... That that lasted until like maybe like ninety six or seven when there was a powerlifting team that was formed at the high school, and so I got into powerlifting. You know, and that's the first time I went to a meet and I saw you know people getting slapped in the face. You know, it was, a little, it was, it was different. It was, it was a game changer, man. I'm like, look at this. So I got into powerlifting, and then it was always about periodization and learning how to you know uh, prepare for meets and try to hit PRs and to try to do things and all this other stuff. And this is before the, I mean, this is all raw stuff, so there was no bench shirts and all these kind of things. It was in high school. So we had the Kimberly powerlifting team would take on Beaver Dam, or we'd go to these bench deadlift meets, and it was just, it was different. Mm. And it was actually refreshing for me, and, and I, a lot of people were like, oh man, you should wrestle, or you should do these other things, and I play football, and then I just weightlifted because we competed in powerlifting. Yeah. So you can't do two things, so it was what it was. So I just, I got into powerlifting, and I, I was always in powerlifting. And then right around, I, get, I think... What was uh, was difficult for me is when I hit around 20, and I'm going from the teen class to the open class. Yeah. And then your guy guys were like mm. 20 to 35 years old, <laughs> gear crazy. You know, I'm like <laughs> these guys were opening at something I'm trying to PR at. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, dude, I can't even hang with this. I can't compete with this. They got seven, eight plates over here. You know, I'm not, I'm not at that level. So um, I just kind of through the injuries and through like being like whoa unless i take some major steps with some like serious stuff or something and kind of do this extra physiological you know super physiological levels of hormones or something <laughs> i'm not going to be able to make it here in this competitive arena so i backed out of that and then got into uh, uh, uh bodybuilding before all that uh, just to kind of and I'm, i have a tension deficit just so you're okay yeah, and the okay. listeners are okay with all yeah. this because i may switch gears on everybody and you never know where i'm gonna be yeah. I may come back to something. That's kind of how it works. It's like your brain. You know, if you have attention deficit, it's yeah. like you, somebody's got a controller on a TV, <laughs> and they just keep hitting the up button. And it just keeps going to the next channel. <laughs> you know, it's un- yeah. uncontrollable, but yeah, it is what it is. It's all good. You live with it. Yeah. You usually take a lot of caffeine and make Wait, it worse. Or so something. in high school, what's you just powerlifted? Did you play any sports? Yeah, I, I play sports. play football in high school. You know, okay. when you're from a small town like that, that's kind of like what you did. Yeah. And I was. Uh, Played football in high school and weightlifted, and then I actually played football in college. And I went to first year out of high school. I was terrible in high school. I was a terrible student. Just, we won't get into that. But uh, <laughs> it, it came out. I had to go to a junior college for a year to get college credits and to do things. And then I went to Rochester, Minnesota in uh, Rochester. Or, uh, Rochester Community College in Rochester, Minnesota. Then went to uh, UW Oshkosh. Then to La Crosse. And then back to UW Oshkosh. And then eventually, yeah, no, I was like, this a lot. I like to spread it around. Uh, but then I eventually finished there and graduated with a, uh, a bachelor's degree in exercise physiology. So didn't know what I wanted to do as any, as any college student. Has no clue. What they mm-hmm. wanted, and there's not a lot of, you know, what's interesting. So that was interesting to me just because it stemmed from the physical fitness. And then it was almost like getting the answers as to why the periodization or the body is acclimating the certain way that it was. And that was kind of fascinating to me. So I really excelled in those types of things as opposed to Western civilizations, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, but back to with the, where was I? I see the attention. You're deficit. getting into bodybuilding. Bodybuilding happened because of uh, injury. 
in uh, UW lacrosse. I broke my wrist in a game, and I was in a cast for over a year. I broke my uh, navicular bone, my scaphoid bone, in your wrist, right behind your thumb, mm-hmm. your little the little anatomical snuff box, as they call it. <laughs> <laughs> Not for anybody. So, uh, so I break this thing, and I'm in a freaking cast for like a year, and it was like the most depressing. Dark, terrible, mm. uh, you know, kind of derailed there. And this is like 20, 20 or 21, somewhere in that area. I think it's 21 years old. Yeah. And you can't do anything for a year. And if you're used to that stuff and you just can't do it all of a sudden, that's a game changer, man. Mm-hmm. So when I started running, for the first time ever, <laughs> I started running. <laughs> and I, well, let's You say, don't run anymore, do you? I, well, hold on. We'll get into that. I wasn't running. I was more lumbering. Okay, I was lumbering, yeah. and I would lumber for 45 minutes at a clip. But well, first of all, I couldn't run around the block, and then I would throw up. And so then I kind of just kind of worked at it, and pretty soon I was running like five miles a day, twice a day. Oh, wow. I was like crazy. Yeah, I was yeah. So I shriveled down to zero. <laughs> I completely transformed myself. But I was kind of like, um, in a small way, I felt like, you ever see Superman 2? Mm, I don't think so. It's okay. You're younger. Well, okay, so in Superman 2, he goes in a chamber and he becomes human, and then okay. he wants to go back. Anyway, so you kind <laughs> of feel like, you? like, yeah, you feel like you went from Superman to this regular person, and I was like, this is terrible, and I, I want to go back, you know? So when, as, soon, as soon as this cast is coming off, I'm doing this again, yeah. and I want to do it differently. And at the time, this is around the, the era of Bill Phillips and the Body for Life Challenge, Okay, and for those of you who remember the EAS... Body for Life. This listen, listeners out there, I know what I'm talking about. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> they ain't all 22, Connor. Okay, <laughs> so the Bill Phillips' Body for Life. He had a challenge where he was giving away Lamborghinis and he was doing all this stuff for like a complete transformation over 12 weeks. And the transformations were awesome. And all these people were doing, and it was a simple concept that no one ever really educated me on. But once I figured out what they were doing, the the six meals a day, or spacing them out, or having a, you know, your macronutrients dialed in, and then actually uh, working your resistance training in with some um, high intensity cardio for 20 minutes, three times a week. Mm-hmm. And it was a game changer, man. And I started just going through the program, just doing that, just trying to, I wanted to reduce body fat and maximize my lean, you know, lean tissue as much as I possibly could. Yeah. And I never was able to do it before. In fact, I never saw ab muscles in my life. Okay. We talk about, you know, your fat. It is what it is. <laughs> so, you know, that's like a pipe yeah. dream. So finally, all of a sudden that's starting to happen. And someone's like, dude, you, you should do bodybuilding. Yeah. Like, you're all veiny and all. Like, you should do bodybuilding. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I could get up there yeah. with the banana hammock and, you know, <laughs> heavy oil, of course, and hit shot. But I actually, I started to fall in love with the fact that it was very artistic and you could, you're like, um, you're treating your body like a sculpture. You know, you're really looking at it and it was more of like a, a different type of training. So it was very isolated training. Mm-hmm. You'd look at your body and say, okay, well, here's my weak points and here's where I want to reshape things or create an optical illusion here to get it right for me. And you were really almost just like chase that to do that. And you would just put that on in those certain areas to manipulate the way you looked. And so it was different than how much could I subject, you know, objectively lift, you know, in a com- competitive situation. It was more like, well, how can I make it look like almost like an artist with clay? Yeah. As Schwarzenegger put it. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of how that whole thing started and went down the whole road of the bodybuilding and it's been on this road of eating cleaner now. Yeah. That's an extreme and I think you need to find balance in life. Mm-hmm. That's been the big one. Yeah, so what's that lifestyle like? The bodybuilding the lifestyle? bodybuilding lifestyle. Some people, okay, let's put it this way. Uh, I'm not doing like the, you know, I was never the guy who wore spandex in the high tops. Okay, I wasn't that guy. I wasn't the spaghetti strap tank top. Okay, we all know that guy. So I'm not that guy. But uh, but no, it was more like, um, again, you talk about there's the, the natural way of doing things. And then there's like your, uh, you know, guys who are taking so much gear and all this other weird, wild shit that it's like, you know. So you go to compete and you may do all right. And then you run into like, look at this. I mean, these guys are like zero percent body fat basically and huge there's like no way you can get like that just as a natural athlete right yeah and so again it's like well you know you reach that crossroads do you either take that step or not and i just erred on the uh, not doing that and so yeah. i just kind of went away from that and just kind of went down the road of you know well i'll just be healthy you know yeah. just be fit uh stay active the, the one of the things you find about with doing extreme anything is you have a like rebound so yeah. you may look awesome for a show or something 
And then after that, you almost have post-event depression because you have, you've always just looked at that totally. You got ready for this show. You looked amazing. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're back to, you know, fat you. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, and, yeah. it's a, and it's a game changer for your hormones and uh-huh. it's, you know, all that kind of stuff. So what about, like, the whole, like, eating six meals at these times, sleeping this amount of time, not doing certain things? Like, I got away with it when I was like, younger. Yeah. You know, 22. I mean, dude, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I had time on my hands. Yeah. So you can kind of manipulate. So I was in college a lot. I think I did a show at 22, and then I did a, f- a few more when I was 25 or 6. And it's it, that's the packing the meal stuff, taking it places. It just wasn't conducive. It's not, that's not realistic. Yeah. And I personally, I don't even think you really need to actually do that. Yeah. But honestly, I don't think you need to be so nutty about it. Yeah. You know, you feel probably better because you're eating better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're eating more frequently, so you have more calories, and you probably have a little more cognitive ability. But uh, I don't know. It wasn't, you know, it, again, yeah. too much. Yeah. Too much of anything is no good. Yeah. You got to have everything in moderation. So, but after that, it was, um, you know, you go along like that. Uh, it becomes harder and harder to, I think just in general in fitness, for the listeners out there who are into fitness, it's extremely hard once you hit uh, kid phase in life. You all of a sudden you have kids. So you're married, you got kids, you got all these other issues, you got responsibilities. Oh, and I'm going to start to work in my, you know, my fitness program. You've got to fight to keep your fitness program a priority or even in your life because that'll really detour you uh, when you have all these other extraneous things. So now I don't even go anywhere to exercise. I'm like right in the dungeon of the basement. <laughs> yeah, I got the shittiest stuff I could find, you know, like yeah. the rustiest stuff. I went back, you know, yeah. go work back, get the worst stuff I could find, rusty, come out of the basement orange. Uh, you know, and just, you know, but it's my place to go and do my thing and I, I don't have to go far. Mm-hmm. So I can get it done and get on with life. I mean, you have to be able to fit that in. I think that's very difficult for anybody. It's not easy, but when, as you age and as you get into a lot of priorities and a lot of responsibilities, it gets harder and harder to keep that, you know, at the forefront. So, so when you were bodybuilding, what did like the training week look like? I just split it up by body parts, yeah. you know, and you would uh, prioritize your training. Like, so if you have weak body parts or mm. weak points, you would, you know, put a little bit extra magnifying glass on those, mm. you know, and try to bring them up. Uh, things that are your, everybody has their crazy muscles, yeah. you know, and everybody's got things that you just, you look at them and they change. And then there's some that, you know, don't change as often. Like, I'm a, like my cat, like, it ain't going to happen. You know, he was a classic little calf guy. And people still give me shit about it. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're going to work the legs? Here? No, no, I'm not going to work legs today. No, you know, sorry. It's chest and back day again. Uh, today is chest and back. Tomorrow's back and chest. And the day after that's chest. And the day after that's back. No. So, but it was. It was like you break it up like that. Your shoulders, your, your, your the biceps, triceps. You take your apart the anatomy of the body. Mm-hmm. And then you would start to incorporate different movements and you would experiment with different movements and how your body responded to certain things there's tons of movements you can do to to activate those fibers but you start to kind of learn through you what really is the most responsive to your biomechanics you know you could uh, try all kinds of things but you kind of like hone in on i train certain body parts twice a week these certain movements changing up the movements i'll give an example uh say chest let's say uh one day maybe pressing yeah you know all barbell work and then later in the week, it's all dumbbell work, mm. you know, and you just, in cables. So you just kind of change. It's the same group. It's just, you're just hitting it differently. So how many days would it be? It's a five-day week deal. Five-day week. Yeah, and then Saturdays and Sundays off. How long would workouts be? Uh, usually an hour, hour and a half. So nothing yeah. like crazy. No. No, some people are like, oh, two hours. What are you doing in there? Yeah. Quite honestly, dude, I can't remember what it's like to be like that because I remember going to a club and then I would have people trying to converse with me. Yeah. You know, I never, I forgot about that. You know, yeah. people like try to talk to you. Yeah. You know, like, hey, so, so, so what are you, so what are you, so what are you doing? What are you, what are you, okay, get the, get out of here. What is this? Can we just do this? So you try to appease them because I'm not that guy. You know, yeah, I'm like, yeah. just shut off, you know, you know, loser who just with his headphones on and walking around and you're ignoring everybody. Never worked out with headphones on. You know, it was always a wide open, you know, anybody could talk to you and I don't want to be like this isolative, yeah. you know, yeah. human being. But as I was going along, where this segues into um, arm wrestling, <laughs> crazy, arm wrestling. <laughs> freaking arm. He's like, dude, that's a sport. Yeah. Uh, so probably around five years ago, I'm watching, and I need to do something else because I was at at a point where this is like 2013, 14. I'm like burned out. 
Yeah. It's the same redundant stuff, man. It's the same old, same old. So something's got to change. I got to do something else. Well, I had competed in arm wrestling tournament, like little bar tournaments in Wisconsin yeah. when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, I would go along to these fairs and these different things. And just because it was what it was, I was always kind of good at it. I did it in school. You know, everybody does it at the lunch at the lunch table. Mm-hmm. And I was always decent at it. So I would go to these tournaments just for the hell of it. And I'd do well at these tournaments. Well, when I ran into some of the open class guys uh, at, a, at a Illinois State, I think it was like 2002, uh, I got smoked. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, well, we train every week. And I'm like, what? Yes, yes, practice every week? <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you mean you practice every week? And so I'm like, wow, okay, well, there's actually clubs that get together and they get table time. And they just get together and just, like, practice their stuff and pull each other and do stuff and whatever. Not like that, but... Uh, <laughs> pull each other. Anyway, uh, back to arm wrestling. So... <laughs> in the shower after. No, I'm no. So... Um, so, anyway, around 2014 or whatever it was, I'm, I'm watching Game of Arms on AMC. I don't know if you remember that or seen that. No. So it's a reality show. It was on AMC about arm wrestling. Yep. And they just did it every week. They had the show. So I, was, I fell in love again. I'm like, dude, this is what i got to do again, man. I've got to get back into this. This is what I've got to get going. So I got on Facebook and it started. And the wonderful thing about social media and the internet, man, is it has accelerated and microwaved you being able to find resources and find groups and find people. Pre-internet, I mean, for the people out there who understand that, I mean, there's, you wouldn't know about shit unless there was a flyer on a you know, a wall or something, yeah. you know, or word of mouth. So when you have Facebook now, you can actually really, you know, find different clubs and do things. So I found a club. I found some tournaments. I started to hit them up. Uh, it was a, it was refreshing to get back in and change it a little bit. So I went from uh, objective competition, objective uh, measurements to subjective being bodybuilding and being judged, like almost like beauty pageant, back to objective uh, sport of arm wrestling where there's a definitive winner and loser and that was cool and I think that it's always been something that's special to me because it's pure you know there's not a it's very self-regulating you don't have a lot of assholes in arm wrestling you just don't have that it's always self-governing sport in, in fast you could be a winner or a loser uh, and everybody loses and it's just a matter of trying to like sway the ratio of win losses to you know more favorable for the wins and <clears throat> but once I got into it, I started hitting the club. We have a club now called Illinois Wrecking Crew on Facebook. So it's cool. So if anybody is out there who's listening, who's like, dude, I got to do something else, man. And there's a few guys that I've talked to. I'm like, man, I need to do that. That's what I got to do. Because, you know, you get through the same redundant shit all the time. It's the same day to day. And I say, like, well, what else is out there? You know, what else can I get involved in? And it's, it's a strength sport. And it's almost like a mini martial art in a, in a roundabout way. Uh, it's, it's a lot of hand and wrist. And a lot of, uh, it's a different pressure, and you can't mimic that just training on your own. You can try to recreate those pressures, but it's all, you know, table time is essential. And you start to kind of like that, kind of that, uh, I don't know, spiral kind of pressure is not very linear, like you would in a, in a gym or lifting weights or something. So it's a little different, <clears throat> and it's a lot of hand and wrist. Yeah. And what people don't understand is people think, like, arm wrestling is very back and forth, like an east-west sport, and it's not. Uh, it's more of that north-south. It's, you're actually pulling somebody towards you. So you're actually pulling them away from their power before you, and gaining hand control before you go to a pin. Okay. So it's not so much of like people, people break their arms <clears throat> in arm wrestling because they're A, they're looking away from their hand and they're trying to like push away and try to pin somebody down and all of a sudden it's that spiral pressure on the humerus mm-hmm. that it only takes like eight pounds of pressure to oh, just wow. twist your bone and snap it. So as long as you look at your hand and you, you lose or you win the way that your anatomy works, you're golden. You know, it's like when people start looking away from their hand, that's when they run into issues. So, so in arm wrestling, you don't have to be the biggest, strongest guy to win? No, not at all. In fact, one of the guys who's like my idol, John Berzank, is from McHenry, Illinois. Yeah. And dude has always been a 200-pound guy who's taken on some of the biggest people. And he just had an awesome hand and wrist. You know, it's, if, you're a, if you're a guy who's, in, who's, who's a laborer, general laborers usually, you know, guys that use their hands a lot. Yeah. You know, they usually are more advanced than somebody else because they can deliver their power. You can't deliver your power with a weak hand and wrist. You just can't. And mm-hmm. I don't think in anything. 
So the stronger that your hands and wrists become, the more you can deliver your own body weight, your own power, your own uh, whatever through your hand. It's all about the hand, man. It's weird. So this gets, you know, this is crazy. But getting into, once I got into arm wrestling, it, it was so refreshing because it took me back and it rewound me back to the powerlifting days. All the way back to um, keeping the hand a priority in your training, which had gone away in bodybuilding because you start to use straps and all that other shit that yeah. assists you with being able to catch an extra rep or two because your hands couldn't hang on. Yeah. In other words, and I think there's a place for that. I think there is, you know, if, especially with like heavy shrugs or something strange or you know, something yeah, yeah. you'd never be able to hang on to. But you should never really assist yourself to that level. You know, you should always train the hand. The hand is crucial because it's all collagenous material. It's the tendons, it's bones, it's ligaments. And when you actually improve it, it's a gift you give yourself. So you can take that and use it in everyday life. Um, you know, and it's important, I think, to have that. Just to, if something is trivial trivial is opening a jar yeah you know i mean you should just have the ability to do that um it's not opening a jar is a major thing but anyway <laughs> some uh, people it is yeah some people it is whatever you just gotta <laughs> knock it on the counter and it comes right open anyway <laughs> no but like uh it got back to there are so many it's gotten so fitness has been so skewed over the years and when you go back to like the turn of the century uh the early 1900s you have arthur saxon or george hackenschmidt and um Alan Calvert, uh, some of these people who were a couple hundred pounds or less, and they were doing amazing things. And when you read their literature, it's talking about training the bones and training the sinews, they call it, which is tendons. And tendons are your power center, man. That's where you deliver. Your tendons are connecting muscle to bone, and it's collagenous material. It's not very, it's, it's avascular tissue. It's very white in nature, so it takes a little longer to heal. But tendons get thick. And that's why you, you, that's where your strength lies in the fact that you don't have that pliability in your tendons and so forth. So uh, I got into more of the tendon training, and then that kind of segued into what was called maximum contraction, which is extremely interesting. Yeah. Back when I was in college, there was a guy named uh, uh, Little. I, must, I can't remember his first name anymore. John Little, I think it was. But he was doing a lot of stuff up in Ontario or in Canada about maximum contraction because the German scientists in the 60s was looking at holding contractions for time under maximal resistance. And what was the correlation to, you know, uh, fiber recruitment? And what they were finding is that you were getting more out of, more fiber recruitment, more uh, microtrauma with holding a maximum contraction for like six seconds under maximal load for time. So you just would take something to a maximal contractile point and hold it. And it's always like at that maximum level where if you're trying to hold something for 10 seconds, there's almost a failure point. Yeah. So you start to kind of put a periodization together where you just go into these holds. Mm -hmm. And if you ever get into that, man, it's awesome. You talk about being able to make changes very quickly because your body starts to really acclimate with some of those programs. So that was a whole different... Yeah, so what does that do? Just like get your body used to that weight? I think it's a lot of it is central nervous system and your body's yeah. ability to recruit fibers. Okay. Your body will send messages, and you, it's a, you know, your coordination. It's called a, uh, what's it called? This is this all blowing the dust off some of this stuff. It's like neuromuscular adaptation, and you know, you have this ability to recruit fibers. The central nervous system communicates with those fibers to, to fire, and it's an all or nothing principle. They just go or they don't. Well, you can grab more of them as the body gets more coordinated, quote unquote, uh, instead of firing. So it's like a piano, like playing. It's like all into one unit. And, it, and you become a little bit more coordinated in that. That's why most people, when they start a program, their bodies are, uh, they don't have that neuromuscular adaptation yet, so they, they have shakiness. And the shakiness is correlated with the fact that their, their central nervous system is like not quite sure. As, this, mm -hmm. as those messages are kind of like you know inconsistent, that's where you have the shakiness. And then as that time goes, it shores up. Well, <clears throat> when you take something to a maximum contractile point, take a cable roll, for instance, and you just pull that to a maximum contraction, and it's heavy, and you have somebody either assist you to a level, and then you just hold that, yeah. and you just count down that time, and then just does it. What happens to you is just incredible in terms of a strength increase. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole different world. Look at maximum contraction. Okay. Game changer, dude. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yes. But they were doing a lot of, like, uh, back then they were doing a lot of supportive lifts. Mm -hmm. You know, they would get under an exorbitant amount of weight, or lifted a few inches, or... 
a lot of lockouts, you know, and they were training their bones and they were understanding that they were training those, the, the ligaments and the tendons and the structure because soft tissue is just muscle. Muscle is important and it's nice and it's vanity and it looks cool, but it's not really your, the, the epicenter for power and strength at all. And so that's where the whole Schwarzenegger thing had detoured all this, all the bodybuilding stuff detoured fitness and being strong. And it became more fashionable to just look a certain way, look strong. And you're just training the soft tissue, which is kind of making it look a certain way, but it doesn't really apply to anything. So, Wasn't Schwarzenegger still pretty strong, though? He was very strong. <laughs> he was very strong over there. You know, no. but he, he, wasn't he a power lifter and he stuff, did. too? Yeah. yeah, that's how it starts. You know, that's where you get the density. Yeah, don't you need that, like, for the mass and yeah. stuff? You need to have uh, the density, and I think it's the groundwork, the foundation. Yeah. And then you can kind of spawn from that. And I think a lot of guys who start now, if they don't start in that, you know, under that umbrella, it's almost, it's detrimental for them because they're just training little small things in the beach muscles and stuff. But you're not getting that density of the free bar squats and the deadlifts and all those things that really lay the foundational, you know, work for. Mm -hmm. and, And again, and we talk hormones. The natural way to release more growth hormone is through, you know, incorporating all of those muscle groups all at once like that. And the natural growth hormone and testosterone release by those big compound movements like that, you can't beat that. That's that's crucial. It's essential, I think, for any program. What was the most you ever squatted? It's like 585 was like the most I ever squatted. I couldn't get six. No? Yeah. Yeah, it's about the, it's in the cascade of, you know, <laughs> prioritizing. Yeah, about 585, I think it was. The, what about deadlift? That was six. Six. Six is a deadlift, and then bench press was 455. That's like a four plates and a 25. Like, when you go in this, when you're, like, learning it, you go, yeah, I got to do the quarter on there. You know you know exactly what the yeah, hell yeah. I can just look at something now. I know exactly what it is, man. <laughs> you know, and you can, too. I know you're, you're, I mean, you're a crossfitter. You get it. You got a couple of wheels and a quarter. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, I know yeah, what yeah. that is, you know. Some people, like, stand there, and they're thinking and thinking, and I'm like, it's they got a count. Yeah, right. like it's easy. Like so, what? So okay, so two forty fives on each side. Nah, once you know that, you know. Yeah. It. And you know when you've lived it long enough, you've looked at it. You know, you 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 become intimate with those uh, yeah. with the, with the with the way it looks. You know, yeah. so you know what it is. So yeah, but um, it's 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 been refreshing to get back into uh, the arm wrestling. I'm excited about doing it. In fact, it's something you could take with you for a long time. I practiced with a guy who's 56. Really? Yeah. So, well, like, what kind of stuff do you do for practice? Well, a lot of times, you know, for me, everybody, everybody's different. So, like, our even, club is very... the car with, like, that, like, squeeze thing? You're, like, just Oh, dude, yeah. I was on, oh, really? On my way over here, I was just, I was clicking away at that sucker, and I'm like, <laughs> every, dude, every day, I'm, like, in the truck, uh, you know, squeaking around, 100 here, 100 there, 100 here, 100 there, running around 250 a, a trip, you know what I mean? <laughs> just cracking them off, man. And again, that's, it's... I never used to do that stuff. You know, I used to like focus on my hand like that. Yeah. I care about it. It's made a difference, you know. But uh, yeah, you hit the squeakers. Yeah, the little <laughs> those captains of crush, those heavy ones. Yeah, those will hurt your wrist. Man. Yeah, it's like don't. Some people do that. They want to, but some people are in competitive closing. Um, I knew guys that do nail bending. You know what I'm okay. talking about? No, like actual nails. Like yeah, no, not like you, no, but like these like uh, it's like oh, um, you ever rip a phone book? No. <laughs> No, but a deck of cards. No, I mean, so, no, no phone book tricks yet. Uh, no, but these guys they bend nails. And a couple of guys that uh, that we trained with at a time they were uh, they're like na- competitive nail bending, uh-huh. bending. Uh-huh. Who, knew, who knew? Yeah, you know everybody's got their own thing, dude. Yeah. I mean, really, it's like, you know whatever you can hone in on that gives you reasons to do things. That's exactly what you should be doing. Yeah, man. that's what's going to keep you moving around. And it'll change. I'm sure there's some other thing that'll hop around. Some people play pickleball, man. I don't know what... Yeah, pickleball. That's fun. Never played in my life. <laughs> couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you the first thing about pickleball. But, hey, some people are competitive as hell, and that's what they do. And yeah. you got to find what what makes you tick and run with it, man. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, where were we? I don't even know. I have I'm a question for you, though. Yeah, go ahead. How'd you meet your wife? Match.com. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah Deadly Series. Huh, when? <laughs> what was this? Uh, eight years ago? Twenty nine years ago? Twenty ten, twenty eleven, somewhere in there. Yeah. Hopped on match dot com, threw a profile together, we're just hitting auto spin, rocking and rolling. <laughs> just <laughs> and uh, and uh, just rocking and rolling, all of a sudden here comes Elizabeth. 
Yeah, and I saw she was born on March 5th. I was like, what the hell? I'm a March 5th kid. Like, that's not your brother. What do you mean? That's me. And so she's a March 5th. Now, that would seem cool to the average person. Uh, sometimes it's not as cool yeah. as they have the same birthday. It really is. Because I don't know. I don't... I don't look. I don't like my own birthday yeah. as much, you know. So it's like almost like when they have a birthday, you gotta celebrate yours. Yeah, and you already have that like feeling of the socks anyway. Like yeah. another year older. So I don't know. It's kind of strange that way. Yeah. Anybody think it'd be glamorous, but it's not really yeah. like, for me. For her, maybe it's amazing, but uh, but no, it's, it's so yeah. Match dot com, and then uh, next thing you know, you fast forward, you're hitched, and you have three kids, and you're wondering what the hell happened to you. And I think. <laughs> I think every every guy does that, man. He goes through, you know, he goes through life. He's clipping along, he's doing his thing, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, he wakes up and there's there's a few kids sitting around and and they're fighting and headlocking each other, and you know, and he's thinking to himself, "What the hell did I just get myself into here? What the hell happened to this?" You know. And what you learn too, we're going on vacation at the end of the month. There's no vacation for a dad who's like a father of any of, of three. Yeah, let's put it that way, or you know what I mean. You're carrying shit, period. Like, that's your role, yeah. okay? You're a cooler detail. You're carrying <laughs> chairs, tents, towels, bags, luggage. Like, dude, you are like, so when you're, as you, as you get older, you're like, what the hell happened to you talking about? You're, you're, our, there is no vacation, really, for a guy, for dads, you know, to go someplace with kids who need things carried for them, you know, because mom will take the kids and go in there and do the, here you are, by yourself. <laughs> You know, lugging it around. I got. You know, there's some listeners out there laughing their ass up. They know exactly what I'm talking about. Dude. <laughs> Vacation. <laughs> you know, like you don't even look forward. You're like, shit. Great. Where are you guys going? Going to Daytona Beach. Well, Ponce Inlet, which is like Daytona Beach, Florida mm-hmm. area, right off A1A. Beachfront Avenue. You know, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. No, 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 you're not, you're no not there. No idea. 1991. No, so, <laughs> um, yeah, we go to Daytona Beach. And, uh, yeah, we screw around for a week or two, and we just mm-hmm. hit the pool and the beach. And, you know, it's, it's fun to just kind of get the kids out of the, just get decompressed, just go somewhere else and just change the channel. All right, so back to arm wrestling. What were you going to say about that before I cut you off? Oh, uh, <clears throat> it's just a pure, uh, pure sport. And if there's, if there's people out there that are, are listening and they're, they're wondering, you know, how do you get involved and stuff like that, our, our club is Illinois Wrecking Crew. We shift around different practices at different locations, either people's homes or different things or whatever it is, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, we're our whole our whole deal is cerebral, mm-hmm. you know. From it's more take new guys in, educate them, keep them safe, get them to understand how to how to train for this, how to like you know the proper technique, and then they can kind of go off and do their thing, and they can fall in love with it, you know. Because for some, they've always been just naturally like that and they enjoy that but they don't have an avenue for that or they have never really found it so there's people out there that that are looking for the next thing to do like i was i would say check us out on facebook and and look it up now tournament wise you know you can hit tournaments if that blows your hair back i probably do a tournament every eight to 16 weeks it seems like you need to give yourself time to heal between tournaments. Some people do too many tournaments too often, and yeah. it's not good for you. You have a lot of micro fractures, and you have like just some things that start to form over time. So, especially when you get new into the sport, you should actually like practice a lot and get some table time and like give your body time. It's like it's like being in martial arts and kicking a tree or something. You know, you can't just go kick <laughs> yeah. a tree. You know what I mean? Or kick a bat in half. Yeah, it's not going to work. You're going to shatter your you know your tibia. So you can't you can't just go do that. You have to kind of acclimate to that and let your bone starts to lay down, you know, more bone tissue and just gets more dense and more dense. It can handle those stresses. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon, you, you know, after a certain amount of time, you kick right through a bat and, or strike with your fingers and strike through objects and things. And it's just that whole martial art component of letting your body acclimate over time. And you can't really rush that. You just have to kind of lean in that direction and have fun with it and just whatever. So if you want to compete, cool. You know, I think that's usually, it's a, it's a, it's a very... Uh, I don't call it spiritual, but competing at a level like that uh, is something that you don't really do anymore in life. Uh, when you're younger, you, you do it a lot because you're involved in sports or something. Once you've left sports and now you're kind of on with life, there isn't really opportunities for you to be really nervous or anxious. And I think it's such a 
a wonderful thing to put yourself through those in those situations and learn how to acclimate to that. And that's, that's a whole other world right there. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you're doing. It could be anything. But, you know, getting those nerves rocking and rolling, you know, you know, let everything else going away, being able to focus on that for a second and compete and put yourself mm-hmm. out there. I think competing is enormous yeah. for for just you as a person and personal growth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, switching gears here, what do you do for work? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, funny. Because you gave me this shirt, and I'm not really sure what it is. Yeah, I gave you the smallest shirt I could find. <laughs> yeah, I know you like them real tight and paint it on. <laughs> Uh, you know, you may have to make a sleeveless out of it. In fact, if you didn't, it'd be weird. You know, yeah. I mean, you gotta make a sleeveless. So, for the local people out there, they're like, you know, they they probably see the truck driving around. But I I operate an organization called Ticket Weirdo. So, most people see the truck that's you know with the weirdo guy on it. Uh-huh. Like, what is it? A monster truck rally in town or something? They don't know what it is. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I see the truck everywhere. What the hell is this? Uh, Ticket Weirdos. Um, this all comes from uh, the health and fitness background. So. We never got into this, but we'll get into that in a second. I, when I left college, I got into um, the GNC world, and I managed uh, GNC locations, and I found my way to Madison, Wisconsin, as a senior store manager managing multiple locations, and then got into the health and fitness arena, and then also got into uh, uh, corporate sports hospitality. So it has nothing to do with – the two of them don't have anything to do with each other, but uh, with fitness, we did a lot with partnering with organizations for corporate wellness. And so what I did over the years, and this is, I'm going to really paraphrase, really fast forward this and condense this. We've taken a concept of online ticketing and melded it with health and wellness. Okay. So, and not, not in so many ways, but Ticket Weirdo is an online ticket site, but we're the only online ticket site that works and directly aligns with corporations for their client entertainment so they can entertain groups at large events and strengthen their relationships with their key folks. Uh, so we like do Masters in Augusta, Phoenix Open, Super Bowl, Final Four, you know, things that a corporation we may want to take some top clients to or run a sales incentive for their team or their employees. And then we also we also align with the corporations to reward their employees or put in place uh, an initiative for their employees on emotional and mental wellness. Mentally healthy employees are happy employees. They take less sick days. They're more productive in the workplace. They refer others. You know, they're not, mm-hmm. the, the attrition rate goes down, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but studies are showing that when you get out and you release endorphins at events and go do stuff, it plays a key role, of course, in the, the production of serotonin in your central nervous system, in your brain. And that's that feel-good hormone that you get. Mm-hmm. So they're finding now that if you go and do this often enough, you can extend your lifespan like 10 years just by getting out and going, getting out with friends and family and going to events, going to concerts, going to games, just getting out, go do something, decompress. Because work life can be stressful. So when a corporation gets behind this idea of a fun initiative almost, mm-hmm. and they deliver the message to the employee and say, hey, we understand that work can be stressful. We want to get you the hell out of here. We want to go make, get you making memories with friends and family. Go do that. That's important. And when they do that, they really change the perception that the employee has of the employer or the corporation. And that employee becomes very proud of who they work with because mm-hmm. the employer actually you know, gives a shit about them. So um, ultimately, what we do is it's a no-cost program that we do with the corporation where we can deploy a really cool uh, program with the employees. It's like a discount. And they give back to charitable causes. So the nice thing about this is that when the employee buys tickets to, it could be a Cubs game, they're going to give a percentage back to whatever uh, charitable causes that the corporation wants to get behind. And so if they get behind certain things or St. Jude or Wounded Warrior or it doesn't matter what it is, they're able to now buy tickets at a discount with the company's promo code and they give back to a charitable cause. So it's kind of a win-win. And so it's pretty yeah, cool. That's, this was your idea? Yeah. This is really cool. It's a cool like concept, who, man. It's explosive as hell. Like who puts these two things together? It's crazy. <laughs> well, again, it, it came back, again, It's like I said, I, I kind of condensed everything, but it came from... In the health and fitness industry, in running health clubs and running that that situation, we would always align with corporations to deploy corporate wellness initiatives to keep healthy the employees healthy. And you know, there's mental health, there's physical health, and the two are very tied hand in hand, obviously. But uh, you know, you take that and you say, well, we could do an online ticketing site that you can buy tickets to anything, and you could become a member of, and it's free, and all this other stuff. 
but then let's meld it with with the uh, initiative of mental and emotional wellness. And I think it's something that's overlooked, mm-hmm. and there, there's no other ticket site that's doing this. And so that's where we're cutting edge and we're ahead of this. And that if there's listeners out there who are right now, they're either A, heading up their corporation, or they align with the people who are in charge of the key people that are in charge of the employee benefits, they should hit us up immediately. Because yeah. it's a no-cost relationship. They can deploy it in Mach 1. And they have the promo code that's the same, a custom promo code that they have that promotes the organization so that their employees can use it for discounts on ticketing. And also their employees have their friends and family that can also take advantage of it. So it's kind of a branding concept. Yeah. Like we work with Allstate, uh, Liberty Mutual Insurance, Safeco. Uh, so some of the larger ones that we work with. So some of the Fortune 100 and 500s that we work with all the way down to uh, it could be a small CPA firm doesn't matter mm-hmm. uh, the size does not matter it's just a matter of we can customize everything we do all the heavy lifting for them and so that's when you see the the ticket weirdo truck driving around you'll know that it's the one that aligns with companies and mm-hmm. you know all that other kind of stuff so and so where'd the name come from ticket weirdo yeah <laughs> <laughs> hard to forget man right ticket weirdo uh, yeah. it is so you know it started off uh being anthony allen group and then allen group tickets and then nobody was like it was like who's allen you know, and that didn't work. And we went through a rebranding. And I think every time you start something and you should take chances in life, uh, you you may not get the recipe just right the first time. So we didn't get the recipe right the first couple times. And it's just the way that the branding was, the way that it, it was. And so we had to have something. And quite honestly, I think this goes back to being a father of three and like you have responsibilities now. And you're a 40-year-old guy and you got things going on. You want to keep it weird, dude. You got to get you back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you almost in a sophomoric way, you need to kind of like keep it weird and like go back in time a little bit and just remember what it was like to just be a kid again and just mm-hmm. have some fun and not have to worry about the stresses of life and the, the things that can kind of weigh you down a little bit. So it was getting back to the basics and getting back to decompressing. And so keeping it weird was the, the whole deal. <laughs> so yeah, let's get weird. Yeah, that's awesome. So the branding has been effective for uh, our marketing and just for our awareness. And so people kind of, you know, taking notice of something like that. Hard to forget. You know, look at this guy with his thumbs up and he's got a googly eyes. And yeah. What the hell is all this? What's going on? What's this truck driving around? But it's cool, man, because then you want to know more. Mm-hmm. You see it and you're like, what the heck is this? Yeah, people look, look it up. People look into it. They check it out. They see what it is. Um, and when you have, I think we have a go-to for ticketing. Oh, another thing. We don't have service fees. Hmm. Like we don't have all these hidden fees and all yeah. this other garbage. Anybody who's ever bought tickets, there's always that sleight of hand uh-huh. where they have kind of like a markdown and then a markup. Yeah. And they showcase a low ticket price. And then as soon as somebody goes and buys it and they go through the steps, they go to click submit, right? And they put their credit card information in mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it just leaps up yeah. like 30% charge. You're like, what the hell happened? Yeah. Everybody who's listening right now understands what I'm talking about. When they went to buy tickets yeah. and it looked cool and then yeah. it got slammed, that is not something that you have to put up with at all. Ticket Weirdo doesn't do that. And so people are, you know, that's why you know what you're going to pay. You see a ticket pricing on the site. You, you enter a promo code that your corporation has established. It's only going to go down from there. You can sign up for free mm-hmm. and you enter your custom promo code. It only goes down from there. It's not like you're... You know, constantly, you know, getting the sleight of hand magic trick. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you just go to buy tickets and stuff. Uh-huh. So you actually, when you go to shop for tickets, you know exactly what you're going to be paying for them. So it's kind of it's a trust factor, and I think with a lot of the online purchases, I think that's the major differentiator is mm-hmm. trust. Yeah. So you do something once, it came through for you. You knew what you paid. Nobody screwed around with you. Yeah, that's your go-to. All right, I got a good question for you. What do you think about CrossFit? Love it. You do love. CrossFit. You ever see yourself doing it? No, only because um, from a mobility perspective, mm-hmm. um, this goes back to, so when I was entering the fitness arena and getting into health and fitness and I started as a personal trainer in Phoenix, Arizona when I left college, I knew of CrossFit back in 02, 03-ish. Oh, geez. So like when it wasn't even really like a Yeah, thing. no, it was in California. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, but it was... It was talked about because it was like you're trying to be total preparedness, like mm-hmm. you could do anything and you know, different movements, and that yeah. was kind of like the the whole. It seemed like that was the concept, and I could be wrong, but it's the concept was that you know you do a, a multitude of different movements and it's never the same and it's always changing, so you're totally prepared for any situation. 
yeah, that you right? may encounter. Yeah. And but that's the way we trained our clients. I had them pushing cars, carrying me up, piggybacking me up hills, like weird shit. Yeah. You know, just because that's what they enjoyed. They didn't yeah. like you know the bodybuilding, doing side raises in a mirror. Who cared about that? Yeah. They wanted to just be more physically capable. So I trained like clients that way, and we focused a lot more on combination and compound movements, total body things, and coordination. Um, but CrossFit came along, and then when my wife was saying, you know, she's bored with lifting weights, it sucks, I don't even like working out, I'm like, we well, should CrossFit. Because at least CrossFit is, it's always evolving, it's always changing, the workouts of the day are different, you know, you can always have that variety, and then just test drive more variety and see if you like it. And where I think she fell in love with it was the fact that once she got into it, yes, there's there's that change, but then there's also, it's competitive. Yeah. And now there's... Just like the powerlifting days, man. So I, I got the, I got the chance to experience the boards, you know, everybody's shooting for records. Yeah. And it motivated you to, you know, see where you were at. And it gave you something to gun for. If you take that away, sometimes you're, you're almost lost, you know. So for those competitive people that are out there, CrossFit's awesome that way. But it's, it's a great way to force you to do combination movements, your hand cleans, your power cleans, your pull-ups, your push-ups, like your, your deadlifts, you know, your, your free bar squats. I mean, you're... Otherwise, you would never do that mm-hmm. on your own, ever. And so I think it's a wonderful way to do things. I can't see myself doing it because I did a lot of that uh, in high school and college. Mm-hmm. Didn't enjoy my mobility for my wrists and the, the sports that I do now. It's a little hard to clean yeah. and do things. And um, sometimes because of the, the lack of range of motion in the joints sometimes in my elbows or my shoulders, yeah. uh, it gets tough to do you know, things like overhead uh, barbell squats and yeah, yeah. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So for me, that way, I only err away from CrossFit just because it's a control standpoint. I can yeah. control more on my own and regulate and do things instead of, like, having to hurry through something yeah. and then, you know, potentially you know, risk an injury. Or something. So what do you think about, like, these I love CrossFit. I think CrossFit's great. Great for Yeah. Yeah. Love so, it. But, like, so you're a fitness guy, obviously, and you have a background in, like, fitness and how this stuff works. What do you think about, like, these top-level guys who are, like, living that extreme lifestyle and they're, like, training six hours a day? Like, CrossFit, you mean? Yeah. Like those... I don't, do they? Yeah. <laughs> well, but, Like, for know, the games and stuff, it's... Here's what you find. When you enter any competitive situation, you're going to realize that, and this is where competitive sports is so crucial, I think, for children, for adults... Because it teaches you a very primal lesson. Primal. The harder you work, the more you can achieve. Period. And if you can apply that to different concepts of your life, whether your business, your job, your relationship, your, your parental you know, situation, I mean, it's the harder you put something, the harder you work at something, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. That's just standard. And, but you start to realize, like, well, you know, at the top, you're going to have to really put some emphasis in there. You know, this is a, it's now become not just, well, I just do this in the morning or whatever. Now you're actually focusing on it. You actually care about it enough that you're training diligently. You're doing it enough. You're trying to edge the other person out. And so you're talking about the one percenters, Yeah. you know, and those are the people who are, you know, if, if you're not training six hours a day or you're not making it, that's your kind of your job, you know, uh, how are you going to fare in the competitions? You're yeah. Coming, you know, seventy fifth place or something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no one even saw you in the top ten or something. I just wonder about like the from a longevity standpoint. You don't have that longevity that's do like that. No. I mean that's just a that's a fraction in time for yeah. anybody. And I mean let's be straight, I mean that's that's their error from here to here and then yeah. after that. Once things start to kind of the mileage cuts up a little bit, it becomes more and more difficult or their life changes. Or they, you know, their circumstances change, whether, the, you know, the children thing or job change or something to that level, if they have, you know, that kind of thing. And so if they do or that happens, usually that's the the marker for them where it kind of gets a little too much or they can't put that kind of time into that. Or, yeah. uh, it is something that, that's where balance is crucial. I think you need to find balance. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to define what's important to you and keep that. And you'll go through a lot of that. I think in life, and I think everybody will, because we're all born into this world and then we die. You know, what you do yep. between there is up to you. Yeah. And you'll always be trying to find a sweet spot. You know, always. It'll never change. It'll never stop. There's always going to be new goals. There's always new things. This is a new fad you're into. You'll be all about this. You know, you do all about that. And so everybody goes through these evolutions. But uh, what do I think about it? I think it's a little much uh, if you're trying to do it long term. Yeah. 
I think you can't rush things. I think you should just try to lean in that direction. And that's probably the best advice I could ever give everybody. You know, just get into something and lean in that direction. Yeah. Let the rest take... Because in the early days, you used to be able to go to the games just like an hour or two a day, like just training like how we train now. Yeah. But now it's evolved and it's changed and there's so much stuff to do. It's like these people are putting in four to six hours a day. <laughs> like Crazy. It's crazy. And I bet you a lot of it doesn't even... Well, they, I'm sure they still do CrossFit, but I don't know how many you know, wads they do. It's, or, yeah, it's not all like high intensity, but yeah, still... I would imagine they... They kind of, they almost like in a small way, isolate down to specific things mm-hmm. to improve certain movements and to ensure weak points. So it's almost like the same thing as like a bodybuilding concept. Yeah. You're basically focusing on your weaknesses, training a lot of weaknesses and things where, you know, you're, everybody's going to be a Superman in one thing and they're just completely terrible in something else. Yeah. So you kind of put all your eggs in the other basket, you know, and try to shore up some of those weaknesses. So you can't control that in a traditional, you know, what or you know, go to the class or whatever you're going to do. You can't really do that because that's just going to be their programming. You know, if you want to, you, you need to almost like get away from that almost and go and so mm-hmm. you can put things under the microscope and analyze where you need to kind of make adjustments. Yeah. So you probably start finding that a lot of those top people yeah. aren't just showing up to class. Yeah. No. Maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't but you probably find that a lot of them aren't. Don't. You know, a lot of them aren't <laughs> doing that. Don't. They're, they're banging weights, they're doing other stuff, and then hey, maybe once in a while they'll catch a wad or something. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, aside from that, they're good, dude. They're they're on their own. Yeah, they're a lone wolf. Sure. Right, I got one last question for you. What advice do you give twenty year old you? Holy shit! <laughs> what a loaded question that is, Connor. <laughs> good grief! There we go. <laughs> what advice would I give a twenty year old me? Buckle up, dude. <laughs> Buckle up, because. Uh, it won't be what you think it's going to be. Which is weird. You know, I think back to that. You ever seen the movie Click? Yeah. Where, you know, Chris Wagon's like, it's just cornflakes. You know, it's yeah. just cornflakes. <laughs> uh, it, it really is just cornflakes. You know, you, you, I think sometimes everybody has these aspirations. And what you start to find is that you're going to be derailed a lot. You're derailed, you, whether a death of a parent, um, you know, uh, something you, know, you have children, you have job change, you have situation changes. You know something happens, you're going to be constantly bombarded with challenges all the time. Uh, so it's not about. It's always about being persistent and consistent. It doesn't matter what you are, and there's going to be times where it's going to suck for you, uh, but you'll be okay. And you should just kind of stay the course and lean in that direction, and let time. Let time take its course on this. Uh, such a loaded question, dude. Why'd you go and hit me with what, what advice would I give a twenty year old me? <laughs> I don't know. You know, um, it's a good question. It's a great question, dude. Yeah, people always say, "Well, if, if I'd have known then, what I know now, man." But that hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, and it's not supposed to be that way. You know, you're supposed to. You're in an arena. Like we could do a whole other podcast about <laughs> this, bro. I mean, it's spirituality and all this other stuff. But I mean. You're in this. You're in this experience in this rotating mud ball, as an educational platform. This is your, and depending on what you believe in or how many times you've done this before, and if this is your thousandth go, uh, and you're an old soul and you've had multiple times running at this, uh, and you're being educated every time. This is an arena of which you can like uh, educate yourself and learn these primal lessons like this in this this situation called earth and being a human being on it uh Mm. but uh, you're just you're being thrown a lot of adversity over time and it's just how you deal with it yeah so did i answer your question i don't even know did i ramble (laughs) maybe i had a lot of caffeine somewhere in there something happened i was like talking in circles and i went around about earth and then something happened and then wait a second what the hell is this question oh advice yeah oh jeez. um (laughs) No, man, I don't know. Yeah, that's good. I don't know, maybe I hit the... Did I answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Somewhere in there, we'll find it. <laughs> no, man, it's... You know... Are you competitive in, in CrossFit? Or, like, what, what makes you take it? I mean, what do you... What do you yeah, do? we... Yeah, compete. So, you, you, got, you like, put things on the calendar? Like, what, like how, does it, how does it work in the, in the world of CrossFit? So, there's, like, competitions you can go to, and there's, like, the Open. That's the big one, which is going to be in the fall now. It was in the spring, but it's coming up in October, so... Yeah. That's the big one. Yeah, yeah they got it in Madtown now. Yeah, that's the games. That's in August. Oh, oh. See how... We got to get up there. We, I, 
Are you going? I don't know, man. You got to get tickets for that stuff. You can get tickets to Ticket Weirdo, you know. <laughs> for the game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go to Ticket Weirdo, man. Get tickets for the games. You get like four-day passes, one-day pass, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> See what I'm saying to you? Yeah. Now you got a vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but it, it's, you know, it, it's important, like I said, whatever you're doing to to, uh, to to try different things. And you put yourself in a situation, it's a little experience you chalk up, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Cool. That's cool. Yeah, thanks for coming out today. Hey, man. I, this I was a I, lot of fun. I hope it was entertaining. This is very entertaining. I hope it was entertaining. <laughs> somebody entertaining. out there, you know, somebody out there is either be like, who the hell is this weirdo? You know, all I heard is that. You know, his name is Chris and he's weird and he arm wrestled or something strange. Whatever it is. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. You're all right, brother. Thanks for coming out. Thanks, man. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed episode 66 of this show. We'll see you next time on the Up Before You podcast. Have a great day.